Well, good morning. I hope that you are just as ready as I am to hear what God wants to speak to us this morning. We are in our second part of the Beatitudes, and this is just part of a series, a larger series, in, about the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to encourage you in Matthew to go in and read that for yourself. Allow God to prepare your heart, kind of till the soil, if you will, for what he wants to plant in there. And so God wants to continue to speak to us through his word this morning. It's amazing. I don't know about you, although I appreciate the preaching team here, it has been kind of refreshing. It's okay to say it. It's been refreshing to hear other voices, especially the leaders, other um, speakers from our congregation, that the Lord has blessed with a message, that has blessed with a perspective that God wants to speak to us. I said that God wants to speak to us. So it may be different voices, but, and it may be different speakers, but I pray that God speaks to us with one voice, that his voice is speaking to our hearts through many different speakers this morning. It's great to uh, dig into the Beatitudes. I don't know about you, but it's one thing to hear from the scriptures about kind of what it is that we're supposed to believe. We know what we're supposed to believe, but to start hearing from the scriptures and seeing examples of what we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to live, and that how we live doesn't happen just by reading the scriptures, but it's a supernatural work that God does. So he changes us from the inside out. And so when we hear the Beatitudes, I don't know about you, but sometimes you hear them and you're like, ooh, I could really continue to improve in that area. But God wants to continue to change us from the inside out. It's a, spirit, it's a supernatural work when we submit to what the Lord wants to do in our life. So I pray that as we have different speakers this morning, that our ears would be attentive and that Jesus would change us from the inside out. Amen? Amen. Let's get started this morning. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Praise the Lord. Good morning. My name's Courtney. I'm going to walk through Matthew 5-7 with everybody. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What's, God, what's Jesus teaching us here? Is he teaching us to go out and do acts of mercy. I don't believe that's what he's teaching us. I believe what he's saying right here, blessed are those who are merciful. He's saying, he's saying it's, it's part of you. It's part of who you are. It's part of your identity in Christ. It's not just going out and doing it. It's blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are wanting to give mercy to those who don't deserve it. Before a Christian can do something, we have to be something, amen? amen? We have to be merciful before we can start pouring out mercy onto someone else. We, we can't give something that we don't have. Before we can love others, we have to love ourselves. We have to love the Lord. We have to receive that from God first. Before I can forgive somebody for something that they did to me, for a past hurt or, or pain that they caused in my life, I have to receive forgiveness first. 
I can't give something that I don't have. In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, we, we hear about Peter and John as they're walking past the beggar, and the beggar's reaching up, and he's begging for something, and, and they look down, and they say, listen, gold and silver I don't have. I can't give you what I don't have, but what I can give you is what Jesus Christ has given me. Yeah. Amen. Stand up and walk. You have to have it before you can give it. So if the Holy Spirit is in you, we have it. But it's a process that we have to walk through, right? Fruit doesn't just get manufactured. Fruit doesn't just show up. It starts as a seed and it slowly grows. So let me, let me give you an example. Uh, when I played baseball, the first, I remember when I took over a, a, a youth travel team down in Florida to coach this team in baseball, and, and the manager or the coach called me the first afternoon. He said, hey, what are we going to teach tonight? And all of a sudden it hit me. I don't know. Like, I played ball my whole life, but, you know, when I get in the box, I hit the ball. And I throw the ball, and I catch the ball. I don't, I don't know. What's the, what, do we, what do we teach? And, I, and, it, and it took a minute for me. I had to research it for a little while, but I realized that all the way back in T-ball, all the way back when I first started playing ball, that's when I was taught about lining up your knuckles and elbow up or elbow down and power in the hips and how you throw the ball and how you catch the ball. But over the course of time, it just became who I was. It grew into this thing inside of me that when I got into the box, I just got in and I did it. And that's what, we're meant, that's what Jesus is teaching us here is blessed are the merciful. As time goes on and as you continue to seek the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to grow this fruit in you, it will become who you are. It'll become a part of you. Amen? So, but we live in a world that says eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You did this to me, so you deserve this back. You got me fired. You told on me at, at, at work. You did this to my family. You hurt my child. You ran off the road on the way home from work. Good, you deserved it. That's what the world teaches us. But Jesus says that when you live by the sword, you die by the sword. When we live under the burden of the, when we live by the law, we're gonna live under the burden of the law. But when we live in grace, when we're willing to give grace, then we're gonna receive grace. And that's what he's saying here. Blessed are the merciful, for you will receive mercy. And when we start realizing this, then we can start applying this to our life. You'll be able to start forgiving yourself. And that's tough. For some of us, that's really tough. For some of the things that we've done in our life and the people that we've hurt in our life, to forgive yourself is a big thing. But once you can receive that, then you can start to forgive others as well. You can start to show mercy to others. And then before you know it, you're, you're taking a cheeseburger to the guy sitting in front of Walmart because you just feel the need. You feel the Lord putting it on you. Show mercy to this guy. And the fruit continues to grow. And there's four reasons. I want to close out with four reasons why we need to show mercy. Number one, because God showed us mercy when we didn't deserve it. Because God showed us mercy. Ephesians chapter 2 Verses four and five, God's mercy is so abundant that while we were spiritually dead, he brought us to life through Christ. Hallelujah. Because I sure, certainly did not deserve that in my life. Number two, because God commands it. Because God commands mercy. Micah chapter six, verse eight, God requires us to love mercy. I'm a Christian and I do everything God wants me to do. I do the best I can, then we have to do this also then we have to show mercy to that person that we've struggled with our whole life to show mercy to. Number three, 
because you'll need it in the future. James chapter two, verse 13, the person who is merciful can stand at the judgment seat without fear. Let me tell you what, when I, when I get in front of the gate, I wanna walk up and I just went, I'm home. I don't wanna be afraid of what I did in my life or what I didn't do in my life. I wanna walk into that, I wanna walk through that gate without fear. I wanna walk up to my father and say, I am here, God. I'm here, Dad. And the last one, it produces happiness. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21. Blessed are those who are kind to the poor. Happy are those who are kind to the poor. I wanna live this life out. The the Beatitudes guide us through life. They give us direction through this life to live that abundant promise that the Lord has given us. And that's what I want in this lifestyle. I wanna take advantage of everything God gives me, amen? Amen. So I hope that uh, that was received this morning. We've got another Beatitude coming up next. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. My name's Trisha, and I am going to speak to you this morning about my favorite beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. As I've been thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, what does this mean? One of the first things that struck me was that Jesus cares about our hearts. He talks about our purity of heart. Our culture says that our outward, outward appearance is really important. Um, We had a good example of that this last weekend. My husband and I went on a getaway anniversary trip, and we went to an art exhibit, and the the art around us was just beautiful. And I happened to notice there was a group of young girls that were taking pictures of each other posing in front of the art because they intended to use this on their social media. So you could see that our culture really puts a high value on our outward appearance. But God's culture looks a little bit different. In 1 Samuel, um, God says, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at our hearts. Again, in Matthew, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Jesus didn't come to teach us manners or to make us look presentable. He came to change our hearts. And Jesus wants to change our hearts because our hearts, they define us. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these things defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So Jesus didn't come to help us break some bad habits. He came because we have dirty hearts that need to be purified. So what does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, pure can mean that it's not mixed with any other substance. You know, like pure vanilla extract, it's just vanilla. There's nothing else added to it. There's no fillers or added ingredients. Pure can also mean that it's free from contamination. So to be pure in heart, we need to redirect our focus from this outward appearance 
and our worldly obsession with how we look and how we present ourselves externally and turn instead to this single-minded pursuit of righteousness and following the heart of God. So here's my start to my day. Mama needs some coffee. <laughs> yeah. So when I start my day by searching out the truth that's in his word and asking for opportunities in this day, how can I be Jesus with skin on to the people I meet? Right then and there, I'm washing the inside of my cup, right? Um, when I ask God, shine that spotlight of truth on my motivations. Help me to see that I am working for your good to accomplish your purposes, that I'm not trying to make myself look good. Then I'm working on scrubbing out those coffee stains inside my cup. And when I choose to surrender my time and my goals and what's important to me to make sure I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit, like maybe standing up here today in front of all you scary people, <laughs> um, I'm really polishing that inside of my cup to make it look a little cleaner and a little brighter. So the pure in the heart, the pure of heart will see God. And what could be a better goal than that? We see God when we have peace in our daily lives. So if you have a medical diagnosis, loss of a relationship, some heartbreak, some loneliness, we can have peace. We see God show up in our daily life. We can see God when we have assurance of our salvation. And we can see God in a million small ways every day when we're pure in heart. The more pure my heart is, the more clearly I see God in my everyday life. In spite of how messy my life is and how many mistakes I make. So I, I just want to challenge everyone today. If you're having trouble seeing God, take a look at your heart. What is your purity content? Do you have some contaminants in there? Have you put in some other priorities? I want, no, I really need to see God every day in my life. Amen. Father, I just want to ask you this morning to help us to see you every day in our life. Help me to pursue your righteousness with single-minded intent. I want my heart to be pure so that less of the world and less of me gets in the way of seeing you. Thank you for showing up in our messy lives. Give us hearts of purity. All right, next you're gonna hear from another brown lady that's a little bit younger and a little bit more articulate. Thank you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I think the only thing that she said about me just then that was true was the younger thing. I don't know about the articulate. So my name is Allison. I get to talk to you guys about Blessed are the Peacemakers. Um, this one I feel like is probably one of the more countercultural ones as of late. It usually is... Um, a little sticky, and I went and looked up a definition because that seems like a good place to start, um, and the very first thing I found was the definition for a peacekeeper is one who keeps peace. That cleared everything right up, so I kept looking, um, and most of the ones that I found were relating to like war and soldiers and governments and things like that, which also does pertain to the kingdom of God, 
And one that I found that I really liked um, is a peacekeeper is someone who helps prevent or stop fighting between two groups. It helps bring two groups together in a closer relationship, stops fighting, and also works in the future to prevent it. So that leads me to believe that there's like a relationship being built there as well. Um, I also was noticing that it's a verb, so it's not passive. Peacekeeping is not running away from conflict. It's not running away from conflict. I um, would like us to notice that peacekeepers are usually not the source of the conflict, but they're in the middle of it because you can't solve conflict from the outside. You have to be working inside out. Wow. Like Mother was talking about, you got to clean it from the inside out. <clears throat> it was also, it's also an identity marker, like what Courtney was talking about. It's perfect how all of our notes are lining right up. Um, a peacekeeper is like an identity marker. It is who somebody is. It's how they're identified. They're known for their ability to keep peace between groups. Um, so before I'm done, I have a couple minutes left. Um, I'd like to look at what peacekeeping is not and then look at what it is. Um, peacekeeping is not instigating fights and then working quickly to resolve them. Um, you know, like how you have older siblings like picking on the younger ones and then they finally blow up and they're like, shh, like, it's okay, like, don't tell mom, like, you're okay. That's not how it works. It's not picking fights with somebody online and then being like, no, 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 like, you misunderstood me. Like, that's not what I meant. It's, that's not peacekeeping at all. Um, peacekeeping is not browbeating somebody in an argument till they see your point of view. <clears throat> um, just because they stop talking does not mean that there's peace. Um, peacekeeping is, however, looking at another person and seeing first the being that God created and recognizing and respecting the worth that he's put in them before you respond. That one's important. Um, peacekeeping is also hearing all sides of a story um, that's really important, especially now, like listening to all sides of a story because there's multiple sides always. Right. And hearing people out, hearing what they have to say, and seeing Jesus in them is really important before you respond. Um, I'd also like us to look at Romans 8.14. Um, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are called sons of God. And so we saw in Matthew that the peacekeepers will be called sons of God. And so also if you believe in the spirit of God, it sounds like you should also be a peacekeeper. So it becomes our responsibility to be not running away from conflict, not actively avoiding it, but sitting with conflict and working to bring the two groups together to build better relationship with Christ. Okay, I think that's all I have. We get to hear the next one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. My name is Aaron. 
Um, of all the Beatitudes, this last one seems to be the most contrary to human thinking and, and experience. You see, the world, it doesn't associate happiness with humility, mourning over the sin, gentleness, righteousness, mercy, purity of heart, and peacemaking. Even less does it associate happiness with persecution. Mm. You see, in 2019, Times Magazine did a study to find out what really makes people happy. They wanted to know what is it that makes people happy. And of all the answers and all the responses that they received, happy people enjoyed other people, but not self-sacrificing. They refused to participate in anything that caused a negative emotion at all. And they have a sense of accomplishment that's based on their own self-sufficiency. You see, to be genuinely content, we must not be self-serving, but self-sacrificing. We must be gentle, merciful, pure in heart, yearn for righteousness, and seek to make peace on God's terms, even if those attitudes cause us to suffer. You see, the Lord's opening to the Sermon on the Mount climaxes with this great and sobering truth that those that are faithfully living out according to the first seven Beatitudes, at some point, they're going to experience the eighth. Mm. Those who live righteously will inevitably be persecuted for it. You see, godliness, it generates hostility from the world. You see, the crowning feature of a happy person is persecution. Kingdom people are rejected people. Holy people are blessed, but they'll pay a price for it. The last beatitude really <clears throat> is two in one. A single beatitude, it's repeated and expanded upon. Blessed is mentioned twice in verses 10 and 11. But the only characteristic that is mentioned is persecution. Although it's mentioned three times. And only one result. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven is promised. It's a big promise. So today I want to look at, as I'm finishing up here, the three P's of kingdom faithfulness. The first is persecution. So those who have been persecuted are the citizens of, kingdom, of the kingdom. Those who live out the previous seven Beatitudes, as I said before, to the degree that they fulfill them, are going to experience the eighth. If you look at 2 Timothy, verses 3, 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted you see, before writing those words, Paul, in verse 11, talks about the own persecutions that he went through as well. As one who lived the kingdom life, Paul had been persecuted, and all others who live the kingdom life can expect that similar treatment. 
What was true in ancient Israel is also true today and will remain true until Christ returns. According to Galatians 4.29, it says, At that point, or at that time, the Son, born according to the flesh, persecuted the Son, born of the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. Second is the promise. You see, each beatitude begins with blessed. And as already suggested, Jesus pronounces a double blessing on those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, which is for his own sake. The specific blessing promised here is that the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The citizens of the kingdom are going to inherit the kingdom. Paul expresses a similar thought in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7. All of this evidence that God's judgment is right and that the result you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble for trouble for those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord comes back and is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with the powerful angels. The blessings of the kingdom were then, now, and eternal. See, if you look at Mark chapter 10, verse 29, it explains, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home, or brothers, or sisters, or mothers, or fathers, or children, or fields, for me and the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Man, that's good stuff. Last, I want to look at the posture. The posture. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The believer's response to persecution and affliction should not be to retreat and hide, To escape from the world is to escape responsibility. In John 17, verses 14 through 18, it says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you set me, sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. His followers are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, as it states in Matthew 5, verses 13 and 14. For the salt to flavor the earth and for the light to lighten the world. We're supposed to let our light shine before men in such a way that they may see our Father's works and praise our Father who is in heaven. When we become Christ's salt and Christ's light, our salt will sting the open wounds of the world. And our light will hurt the eyes 
that are used to the darkness. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so hard to think about that, but we're supposed to go into the world. Even when that salt and that light's thrown back into our own eyes and our own wounds to sting us, remember to rejoice and be glad because the reward is the blessing of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you so much for your time today. A countercultural guide for kingdom living. I don't want to rob you of this moment right here. I'm going to ask that you focus in for just one moment. And I realize there's things going on. The band just came out. But I believe God wants to help us hear his voice. What has he put his finger on in your life? In the past few minutes, what has God spoken to you? What is he asking you to lay down? What is he asking you to put aside in the mindset of this world and to pick up the kingdom mindset in? Is it accepting God's mercy and then giving God's mercy? Is it changing our heart and asking God to make it pure? Is it recognizing that perhaps the way we live doesn't leave peace in the wake of our relationships, but he's calling us to be that peacemaker? Is he speaking to you about being under persecution and putting that persecution in proper perspective? I am so thankful that the Lord doesn't leave us where we are at. And I pray that no matter where you are in your relationship with him, that he's continuing to teach you. We never arrive. The more, I don't know about you, but the, the longer you've been a believer, the more you realize you, there's so much more you don't get. But his word promises us that he will teach us line upon line, precept upon precept, when we step into what he's calling us to do. So I believe he is called, calling you. He has put his finger on something, and it's, it could be different or it could be the same than the person next to you. See, this is an individual relationship with him. What are the things that God is speaking to your heart about? Let's respond to that. I want, I, again, I don't, I don't want to rob you uh, or even rob God of this moment where we can respond to him. In your own way, can you respond to whatever God is speaking to your heart in just a few, few seconds? Just take a moment and speak to him, whatever that is. Let's take a moment and just be silent. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Allow God to speak to you in this moment.
share with him what's on your heart. Thank you, Lord. His promise to us is that he is faithful to complete the work that he has started in us. He is faithful to complete that work. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to close out with this song, and I hope it brings us back to our, uh, the beginning of our relationship with Jesus, because this is part of our walk with him where he completes this work. There's part of this song that says, we were beggars, but now we're royalty. We were prisoners, now we are running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing his praise. Let us realize our identity and walk in that, and we will live out each one of these beatitudes. Amen.